You are now listening to Theology Applied, a podcast of Eternal City Church, where theology walks the pavement. Welcome to another episode of Theology Applied. Today we'll talk about faith, but not just faith in general, saving faith. Romans 3.28 says we are justified by faith apart from works of the law. And Ephesians 2.8.9 says we are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of our own doing. I hope you enjoy this episode on what is the nature of saving faith. Welcome back to another episode of Theology Applied. And we are continuing in our soteriology series. Soterios is the word. It comes from Titus 2.11, for the grace of God has appeared bringing soterios for all people or salvation. Logi being science or a body of knowledge or the study of. So we're studying what is the order of salvation through Jesus Christ, Latin ordo salutis. So as a reminder, here is the ordo salutis or the order of salvation we are working through. Predestination, election, calling, regeneration, faith, repentance, justification, adoption, sanctification, perseverance, and glorification. Today, we'll be talking about faith. What is faith? Faith is simply reliance upon and trust in God. Now, faith is interesting because it's a neutral concept, meaning uh, faith is neutral but its object is crucial. It's the object of our faith that matters. Um, If faith is neutral, then everyone has faith. It's not just that Christians are people of faith. It's that every human being without exception is a person of faith. The question is not, do you have faith or do you not have faith? The question is, what do you have faith in? Or what are you relying upon? What are you trusting in for your salvation, for your well-being, to give you meaning in life, to give you hope, to give you uh, purpose? All that is object of faith. And so some people, most people, I think, trust in themselves. They have faith in themselves. They will get themselves through. They will save themselves I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Uh, Some people trust in their jobs. Some people trust in their employment. Some people are trusting in their investments. Some people are trusting in their wisdom to make good investments. Some people have a trust in their spouse. They have faith in their spouse. Some people believe in Muhammad as prophet and his writings in the Quran. Some people believe in the teachings of Buddha. Some people in their mystical experiences. And in the dark world, some people believe in the dark arts and the dark books, uh, revelations of demons written through people in trances. Everyone has faith. Even, friends, the atheists who say they have no faith, they actually have faith as well. Uh, They may believe in science. They may believe or have faith in technology to save. They may uh, believe in the theory of evolution. Some atheists believe or have faith in even Oprah and and all of her her pop psychology. Everyone has faith without exception. The question is not, do you have faith? The question is, what is your faith in? What is the object of your faith? Now, for Christians, we are not talking about faith in general, uh, but specifically in this podcast episode, we're talking about saving faith. So we're talking about faith in Christ. We're not talking about the faith. 
which is found in Jude 1.3, the faith that is once for all delivered to the saints. This means the core tenets of Christianity, uh, what we would call essential to Christianity. When you move outside of these things, you no longer have Christianity. You have a whole nother religion. This would be the virgin birth. This would be the Trinity. This would be salvation by grace through faith and so on and so forth. Uh, we're not talking about the faith, which is singular, the, the core tenets of Christianity. We're talking about saving faith or, as we defined earlier, reliance or trust upon God. Now, specifically, the reliance or trust upon God is a trust in Jesus Christ, his person and work, what he accomplished for his people to save them. So we are trusting in the promises of God that if we trust in Christ, we will be saved. We will have our sins forgiven. We will live forever with him in eternity. So our faith is in the promises of God, landing in the person of Christ, and we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we are saved. Now, many people think that faith precedes or comes before regeneration. This is not the case. Our last episode was regeneration, and that was purposeful because regeneration always pro precedes faith, meaning regeneration is the root cause of faith. After you are born again, after you are made alive spiritually, your first expression is trust upon Jesus. Faith is a gift. It's not something that you produce. It's something that flows out of regeneration. Now we can see this clearly in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, a famous passage that many know, but maybe you didn't look at it in the sense of faith being a gift. So let's read it. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Now listen, for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's God's gift or grace that saves you. You receive that gift of grace through faith. But look, and this is not of your own doing. What is not of our own doing? The grace or the faith. The this points back to the two realities that Paul just mentioned to the Ephesians in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this, grace, faith, is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God. So that no one can boast. You see, if it was our faith, our belief that was um, saving us, we would have something to boast in. It's like, well, I believed and you didn't believe. Right? And so I am better than you because I was wise enough, smart enough to believe. But we can't boast in something that's a gift. And so this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God so that no one can boast. Now, here is a text, I think a clear text in John 10, 25 to 30, that shows that belief is a gift or that faith is a gift. So in our Ordo Salutis, Faith comes after predestination, election, calling, regeneration. It's John 10, 25 to 30. Jesus answered them. Now he's talking to a, a crowd that is hostile to him. They're not believing. They're opposed to him. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. So he's dealing with unbelief, right? Non-faith, non-saving faith, unbelief. I told you, I told you who I am. You don't believe. 
The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. My miracles are evidence of my claims. But you do not believe. Okay, so he's dealing with unbelief, the opposite of faith. Now he says, because. So this is the reason there's not belief. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. Notice he doesn't say, you are not among my sheep because you don't believe, which is the way we think it works. No, rather he says, you don't believe because you're not my sheep. That's why you're not believing. You're in this state of unbelief and non-saving faith because you're not my sheep. My sheep, verse 27, hear my voice, the call, the, the, the effectual call. I know them. There's that foreknowing, that intimate relationship before predestination happens. And they follow me. That is a result of saving faith, the following of Christ. Okay? Verse 28, I give them eternal life. So Jesus' sheep get eternal life. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's eternal security. We'll do that in another podcast. Verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. So all of the sheep that are Jesus, with an apostrophe Jesus, are given to him by the father. Great, the father's greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Now notice the saving faith or the belief causes, if you will, eternal life. That's the gift. Okay, we'll get to that later in John 3.16. But it's the being Jesus sheep that causes belief. In other words, predestination, election, calling, regeneration, you exercise faith out of that flow. And so you are not my sheep. You do not believe because you are not my sheep. Now, saving grace comes through faith, but I think it's important for us to realize it's grace that saves us, not faith. But it's not grace in the abstract. It's Christ that saves us. We are saved by the person and work of Jesus Christ. He is the Savior. It's not this abstract idea of grace that saves us, even though Ephesians 2, 8, 9 does say, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Faith is just the way we receive the gift of God. Grace is his offering of Jesus in our place as a substitute. So remember, it's not faith as a concept abstractly that saves us. It's not grace abstractly as a concept that saves us. It's Christ that saves us. And so the object of our faith is Jesus. He is the Savior. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We don't have this abstract, non-real, non-substantive thing called grace. Grace is God's undeserved, unearned, demerited favor that would put Jesus as a substitute and crush him so we don't get crushed. But it's the person and work of Jesus that saves us, not abstract grace, not our faith. Okay, so now that we've said that, let's talk about how the reformers differentiated between the three aspects of saving faith. So they would say saving faith has three elements and all three must be there in order for it to actually be saving faith. Number one, 
the content of the faith or the truths of the gospel. So number one, you have to have content. There does have to be uh, tenets that you actually believe, the content. Number two is the conviction that the content is true. So you have the truths, number one. Secondly, the truths are true. (laughs) And number three is the truths are trustworthy. I place my trust in these truths. So again, number one, the content of faith or the truth, the truth of the gospel. Number two, the conviction that the truth is really true. As Francis Schaeffer used to say, true truths. And then number three is the truths are trustworthy. I don't just believe that uh, to be true, but I entrust myself to what that truth speaks of and what the saving um, truth is, is the gospel. That is why Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes or has faith. And so the truth points to a person and in a similar way, that person, Jesus said he was the truth. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except by me or through me. And so the gospel points us to a person to entrust ourselves to. So we have the content, what Jesus accomplished in our place. We have the conviction that what Jesus accomplished in our faith place is true. And then number three, we entrust ourselves to Christ. Now, there is such a thing as false faith. James deals with this in James 2.19. He says, you believe that God is one? you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Okay, so the demons have uh, number one and number two. Okay, they have, they believe, they understand the concept of the, of the truth that God is one, that God is powerful, that God is all-knowing and omniscient and omnipresent. They, they believe the, the content. They believe the content's true, but they don't entrust themselves to God. Rather, they are in rebellion against God. And so do you have demon faith? Do you have number one, number two, but you've not entrusted yourself to the person that the truth points to? Now, I want to talk in that same context about true faith versus non-true faith. I want to talk about faith versus works because James gets into this and Paul gets into this. Uh, and, and oftentimes Paul is put against James and James is put against Paul and we should not do so. The scriptures are coherent. They agree with each other. They complement each other. And so let's wrestle with this idea of faith versus works in Paul and in James. So Paul says to the Romans in Romans 3.28, we hold that one is justified, a future podcast, we hold that one is justified by faith apart from from works of the law. So Paul says, yes, salvation or justification is by faith and it's apart from the works of the law. Okay, that's very explicit. We're saved by faith and not works. Faith and not works. But listen to James. James 2, 18 to 26. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, O foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? 
Verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see, verse 24, that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now there's the verse right there, verse 24. You see that a person is justified by works and not faith alone. And you say, man, that that totally contradicts Romans 3.28. Give us a second here. Verse 25, and in the same way, Was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So on the surface of things here, James does seem to be directly contradicting Paul. And Paul does seem to be directly contradicting James. But what would be good for anyone who is a Bible student to do is... Look very closely at the context in which these contradictory verses appear. So again, here's the contradiction verses. Romans 3.28, For we hold that one is justified apart from works of the law. Justification comes apart from works of the law. James 2.24, You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. It does seem like a contradiction. Here's what we need to do. We started at James 2.18 when we should have started at James 2.14. We should have started with uh, what James said before the contradiction came. Now listen closely. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him. James 2.14. So there's the context. The context here is someone claiming verbally to have faith, but there's no works to back up the claim. And so he says, can that kind of faith save somebody? And the answer is no. And so what James is wrestling with here is simply people who have verbal professions of faith, but there's no evidence that backs up their claim. They have no proof that they actually have faith. And so they say one thing, but their actions, their works, their deeds, their lives totally contradict. And so that's what James is dealing with in the context here of James 2. I'll read 14 through 17, which precedes the verses I just read. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith, that that faith that just says, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? All right, his illustration is this. If you see someone, uh, it's cold outside and they are not well dressed, and, and you say to them, hey, I hope you get warm, and yet you don't help them get warm. You don't invite them in your car that has the heater on, or you don't give them your coat. Uh, it's a it's a useless thing to say. I hope this happens for you because you're not putting any action to your to your hope. Uh, and so he says, 
If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? What good is even saying it? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So his illustration is there needs to be evidence that the faith is genuine and real. So it's been said like this, and I think this is helpful. We're saved by faith alone, but we're not saved by faith that remains alone. Faith alone gets us uh, right standing with God. We believe the promises of God. We believe specifically the promise of the gospel that Jesus did live perfectly in our place. He died on a cross as a substitute. He was really buried. He rose from the dead. And if we entrust ourselves to him by faith, we are saved. What flows out of that saving faith is a changed life. That's what James is wrestling with. You say you have faith? All right, show me. Show me that you have saving faith by your works. Now, I don't want to get super technical here, but I think this is helpful. We want assurance of faith often. What we should never do is look to our good works to save us. Meaning, I know I'm saved because look at all these good things I do. Because it could be a strange way of of moving your faith away from the Savior, which is the only saving person. And we, and we start looking at works to save us. That's not what James is asking us to do. James is saying, look, if you only have a verbal profession of faith and there's nothing else but the saying, you say, I have faith. If there's nothing else there, you should wonder if that faith, safe, ugh, if that faith is saving. You should wonder about that. So we want to make sure that our lives give evidence to the faith we claim to have, which is saving. Now, let's do some application. Do you have real faith or do you have false faith? How do we know that? Well, one evidence is what we've just seen. We look back at our works and we say, is there a changed life? Is my faith remaining just that, a verbal profession? And is there no works to back it up? Is there no changed life that proves that I am born again, that I have the Holy Spirit, that I love God's law, that his commands are not burdensome? Am I loving, seeking to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Am I seeking to love my neighbor as myself? Do I have real faith or false faith? And and if there's nothing different about you than before you made a profession of faith or you perhaps prayed a prayer or you perhaps gave your life to Christ— Whatever the the situation was in real time, if there is nothing different about you, I would ask you to examine your faith to see if you're really there, to see if you really have saving faith. And if you find yourself to not have saving faith, but rather the demon faith that James spoke of there, I would say repent and believe in the gospel. Look away from yourself, look to Christ, ask him to have mercy on your soul and to truly save you and cause you to be born again. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. So do you have the demon faith that believes and shudders but is not saving? Or do you have genuine biblical faith that the object is Jesus' person and work? Pray that God would give you genuine faith. 
You know, if faith is a gift, like Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, we certainly can pray and ask for it. We could say, God, give me faith to believe. In fact, uh, I'm reminded of Mark 9, 24. The context is uh, Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfigurations. The demons are, 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 there's demons inside this little boy. The father comes to the disciples and says, can you cast these de- this demon out? And, and they can't. And so Jesus is coming down off the mountain and, and the father says, I came to your disciples. They could not cast the demon out. If you can, would you please do something? And Jesus is like, if I can, everything is possible for him who believes. And then Mark 9, 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. So he's not asking for saving faith here, but he is asking for faith. I believe, help my unbelief. And I think this is a prayer that we we can pray as Christians and non-Christians. God, give me faith. Give me belief. Help me to trust. The apostles in Luke 17.5 are confronted with, you know, you have to forgive over and over and over and over and over again. The apostles say, uh, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> increase it. it. We need, we need help to believe. And so I think it's appropriate to, to pray, increase our faith, increase our trust in Jesus. Even as saved Christians, we need to grow in trust. We need to grow in entrusting ourselves uh, to God and to his word and to his promises. Now, I want to end with uh, John three sixteen through 17, a familiar passage for sure, but let's look at it in the context of faith or belief, saving faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him and trusts themselves to him, his only son, will not perish, but have eternal life. For God, God the Father, did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus did not come on a condemnation mission, but in order that the world might be saved through him, through his person and work. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. So there it is. Whoever entrusts themselves to Christ, whoever believes, whoever has faith in him is not condemned. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But whoever does not believe, whoever does not have faith in Christ is condemned already. So there's already a condemnation status on everyone who does not have faith in Christ. It's not that one day they will be condemned. It's not that one day we will be condemned. It's that we are already condemned and we need to escape the condemnation. And the only way to escape condemnation is to trust in Christ. That's why Romans 8.1 says, There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The key there is in Christ. If you're in Christ, you escape the condemnation. Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe, does not have faith, saving faith, is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now, John 1 speaks of believing, right? Receiving. And so this is what we do. We believe and we receive the gift of salvation. We entrust ourselves to Jesus Christ and he saves us. Now, after we are saved, yes, we live a life of faith. Sanctification or growth in godliness or growth period 
is also by faith and also by grace. But we'll get into that later when we talk about sanctification in another podcast. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, Remember, we must have faith in Christ alone. We're not trusting in any other thing. We're not even having faith in our faith. In other words, we're not saying, I'm saved because I believe. That's not a good ground for salvation. We don't have belief in belief or faith in faith. Our faith goes away from us and lands on the person and work of Christ. And then he, the Savior, saves us. So remember, Jesus is the Savior. Faith is not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. This abstract concept of grace is not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. That's what Messiah means. Jesus, Messiah, Jesus Christ. 